everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. You're not affected by the rainy day at all? You don't have rainy day feeling? Sorry. Like, it's fine, it's fine, it's just a little rainy. So we had a kind of a crazy week. What do you think? Did anybody else lose power this week? Anybody? We got one or two. So, man, we, at my house, we lost power. We lost power for a couple days. And here at the church, too, we lost power for a little bit. I think it was, what, a day or two we lost power here, too. So we got, we got hit a little bit. It's not feeling like at the beach right now. That's what I know. That's what I know. No, it's so great to be here with everybody. It's so glad to see you. Thank you for everybody tuning in online. So my name is Jonathan Reed, coming on here. I've been so lucky to be able to serve alongside in the summer and and going into the fall here. And funny, when Pastor Chris was talking to me about a sermon series, like, so I have this idea about doing a sermon series, and it's basically Jesus preaching at the beach. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, we should do that. For those of you that know me and know our family, I know for many Michiganders, we all are in this together, but I love being at the beach. There's not, in, summertime in Michigan is hard to beat. For a while, I lived in California, and it was great. You get the sunny weather, you get the, the 70 degrees all the time, right? But then, man, it, it come Christmas time, and it's like, it just doesn't feel the same to not have a Christmas tree. You know, you got a palm tree as a Christmas tree, it just doesn't feel the same. So, you know, we're tough, we're rugged, we're Michiganders, we love, we'll take our time at the beach, we'll take our time in the storms, amen, right? Up and down, we'll, we'll take it. But I did want to show you guys a little video. So this is right outside of my driveway this week. So it is full on flood. There's like tree branches down. It was really crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that was fun. No, for, for all of you that know, it, it's funny how the Holy Spirit works, right? So I talked with Pastor Chris already and I said, Chris... I want to talk about Jesus calming the storm. For most of you guys are going to be familiar with that. We're going to talk about that this morning. And I said, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more careful with the passages that I pick because uh, then all of a sudden I've got this really crazy storm. I'm just like, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Water's trickling into the basement. I'm like, it's fine. Everything's fine. No, uh, no, it was really okay. And it was, it's just funny how, you know, we're in this series. We've been talking about all the times that Jesus has preached in the beach, and, you know, natural laws and order and how Jesus is, is stronger than those things, right? And we, we happen to know, for those of you that spend time on the beach, uh, it's just such an amazing representation to me of how everything here in this world is temporary, right? So we go out. I have two little, little kids. I've got my, my son, Wesley, and my daughter, Emerson. They're four and two, and uh, we love taking them to the beach, right? And when we go to the beach, they like to play with the sand toys, and we like to throw a frisbee around and have a good time. But it's even your time at the beach, as you, however calming and comforting it, it, it is, uh, like I said, I love the beach, but when you look at the beach, everything there, it's the waves are different every day. The tide comes in at a different point each and every day, even over the course of a couple hours you can see how transient it is, how it's always constantly changing. And as I was thinking and spending time with the Lord about what to share with you guys this morning, it just really occurred to me 
that what are we focusing on? Are we spending our time focusing on things that are temporary and things that are going to wash away in the waves of life? Or are we setting ourselves up to be investing in things that are going to have eternal benefit, right? So we have these two polarities. We have things that are temporary and we have things that are eternal. And it's funny, so I was sitting on the beach, believe it or not, knowing Michigan, so we get slammed with like this borderline tornado thing, and then the next day it's like sunny enough that we could go to the beach, go figure. Uh, But I had to spend some time on the beach for, you know, sermon prep and study and whatnot, no. Uh, (laughs) So we we went to the beach, and I'm looking at, at the beach, and it just, it really struck me that even the particles of sand all the little bits of pieces that make up this gorgeous beach, right, were at one point part of rocks and there's even uh, parts of dust and things that have been broken down and crushed over time. That what was once a beautiful, maybe a seashell or a conch shell or something, is now these bits and fragments of what makes up this greater landscape of the sand. But even in that, it's so temporary, We can go out and we can make some sandcastles, we can have a good time, but at the end of the day, those things are going to be washed away. And for those of you, for all of our parents out there, um, and me having young kids, when I first began to have kids, that's what one of the things that really struck me is, oh, I want to have a legacy for my children. I want to pass down godly heritage. I want to pass down what's important to even pass down. These are some of the thoughts that are going through my mind. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, man, there's been so many things in my life, speaking for me, where I've spent time investing in things that don't have eternal significance to them. Uh, when, when I first got married, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I really want to get a decent job. I want to be able to provide for my kids. I want to be able to have a home. I want to be able to have a decent car, all of those things. I want a 401k, right? I want a retirement. All those things that are good things, Right? Those things are are worthy investments, but it got me thinking, what a terrible shame. And for me, as as like a minister, if I were to raise my kids and we have all the, the material things in the world set up for them, and then they lose their souls because they haven't heard and processed the gospel of Christ. That, to me, is something that needs to be a primary focus for our community, that we are preaching the gospel and that we're living by it and that we're modeling it because we have all of these younger people that are looking to us to set an an example of what godliness looks like. And right now, in our culture, things are really confusing about what godliness looks like and what truth looks like and what things are eternal look like. So I wanted to just share with you guys a little bit uh, some scripture this morning. We'll, we'll open up the word together, and I want to talk to you about what is of eternal significance that we need to invest in. So starting off, let's open up this passage here. So we've got a passage. This is when Jesus calms the sea, right? And so at this point, Jesus has been at the beach all day. He has had a beach day, and he's been teaching and teaching and teaching, and they get to a point here that they decide to cross over the other side of the sea. And during this point, Jesus falls asleep in the boat, and we're going to see what happens. So uh, here, starting in verse 35, we have, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let's go on over to the other side. After dismissing the crowd, they took him along in the boat, 
just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a fierce gale of winds developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea would obey him. So I think this is one of those passages that even if we don't spend time on the beach, right? <laughs> even if we don't spend time in a boat, we know, we know that feeling, that panic of when things are going wrong. When you feel like things are falling apart in your life. When there's water seeping in and you feel like you're going to lose control, right? I know for, for many of us, there can be situations that come up, uh, unforeseen finance issues and sickness and, you know, hard relational problems. We all are going to have storms in our life. No matter how great of a Christian, however great practicing Christian you are, you're going to run into seasons of storm. And the beautiful thing here is that even though they had, so they had a fleet of boats. It says it wasn't just one boat. There was a fleet of boats that were dependent on their boat for leadership. And their greatest leader is asleep, right? He is sleeping in the stern of the boat. Water is already filling in. I don't know about you guys, but if I see water starting to trickle into the boat that you're in, it's a little bit of a panic. I would even go as far as to say that's actually a reasonable amount of panic. <laughs> hey, Jesus, I think the boat's sinking. We might, you know, people are depending on us. Where are we going? But in Jesus' wisdom, he has a different perspective on the situation. He understands that this is not a dire circumstance. In fact, it's almost funny how Jesus kind of brushes it off. He's just like, geez, guys, I'm <laughs> trying to catch a nap over here. I've been preaching all day. Somebody's got to be doing miracles out here and whatnot, right? Can I have a couple minutes to sleep? And he just says, where is your faith? Where is your faith, guys? Man, as, as a bystander in this, I'm almost like, doesn't that sound a little bit harsh? It's like, you know, the boat's sinking. You might have a little bit of panic if you were there with them, right? But he understands when you're with Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. He says, why are you afraid? He doesn't even get it. It doesn't even go through Jesus' mind that this would be a dire circumstance. To Jesus, this is just crossing over to the other side. One of the interesting things about the sea in Scripture, the, the Bible is so rich in symbolism and history and, and cultural relevance to that it's important to understand. So, one of the interesting things is that the sea actually represented chaos at times. So, and, and even as we heard in the last couple of weeks with Pastor Chris, 
dipping yourselves in the water and coming back up is actually a symbol for death in baptism, right? When we become baptized, we have a public declaration of faith. We say, I want to follow Jesus with my life. You get dipped under the water. It's not a nice little (laughs) bath time. What it represents is that you are dying to yourself. You are laying behind the material things of the world. You are laying behind your own will, your own destiny, your own kingdom, so to speak, to take up the cross of Christ and partner with Christ to, partner, to create his kingdom so that when we die, because we're all going to die, right? When we die, when we align ourselves with Christ, it's not the end. It's not the end. When we die, we will be raised again, a physical resurrection. In fact, the Apostle Paul had to go and very specifically state, yeah, your physical body, this guy, is going to be resurrected with Christ again when we die. That's the gospel. And he even says, without the resurrection, without a bodily resurrection, then Jesus' death and sacrifice doesn't mean anything if it doesn't create life and resurrection for the rest of us, right? So we recognize that the sea, there's a couple of different symbols that go along with the sea. Is there another example that you guys can think about or maybe online of a time that God parted the waters for people to cross through? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, parted the Red Sea, right? On one side of it, they had slavery, 300 years of living slavery, and that sea was the thing that separated them from their freedom. And God comes uses Moses to open up the sea and create a pathway for them. So in this, we see, in fact, just I'd throw this out there as well, we know more about the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean. We know more about galaxies and outer space than we understand about our oceans because of the pressure that goes along in the darkness. So two a first century Jewish man, right? The sea, while they would have a living on the sea and they'd go fishing like we heard about last week, there were elements that they would understand the sea. To a greater part of the culture, the sea would be a terrifying place. You would not want to go and hang out in the sea, right? Even nowadays, if you get to a point in a boat when you're all by yourself and you don't see any shore anywhere, that's scary, And even when we have GPS and we've got satellite imaging and we've got all this great technology, right, it would still be terrifying. Um, It's interesting, too, in the end, so if you go to the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible, that last book there, when it talks about the new heavens and the new earth, there's actually, it says, no more sea. And by the way, there's going to be no more sea. And to me, I'm like, what? I kind of want there to be sea. (laughs) I kind of want to be at the beach, right? I kind of feel like there's elements of being at the beach that are like heavenly when you have a beautiful sunrise and the wind. And, you know, it's beautiful. Why would there not be any sea? Well, what it's referring to is the chaos. The sea is unpredictable. There's gales. There's storms. It's dangerous. There's something inherent in us that when we go out into the sea, it's unknown. Think about being out in a rowboat, (laughs) in the middle of the ocean at nighttime, right? That would be terrifying. So what we have here is Jesus, in his wisdom, 
with the proper perspective, is able to look at that chaos of the sea and to immediately say, hush, no more. And the sea and the waves calm down. So for us, maybe this morning we're operating from a temporal or a temporary viewpoint. But what we need to have our eyes on is the eternal significance of what our lives are for, with what our purpose is in life. Isn't that what we're all searching for? We're looking for purpose. We're looking for value. We want to make a difference in the world, right? So let's talk a little bit. What does the Bible say about eternal? I know it can be one of those theological words, right? It's like eternal. It's like out there in the ether somewhere, right? Um, I actually saw a survey not long ago that they were interviewing people and they said, would you want to live forever? Is that something that you would want to do? Would you want to live forever if it was possible? Over 70% of people said no. I would not want to live forever. That sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have arthritis for, you know, like all of eternity. No, that sounds great. Uh, just, no. So, it's interesting that not everybody even thinks of eternity and eternal with a good reference point. They might say, well, man, I, I think life's been hard enough on me already. Why would I want to live a, a thousand more lifetimes, right? That sounds, that sounds terrible. Um, one of the beautiful things about the, the, the gospel and knowing who Jesus is, is it says when we are risen again, with Christ, that there will be no more sickness, there will be no more death, there'll be no more arthritis, amen, none of that, right? So it's not exactly a one-for-one one of what life is like here, but we know that in eternity, there's going to be stuff for us to do. I, like, I always love those, um, those cartoon characters, you know, and they get bopped on the head and their spirit like leaves their body and just floats off like a little ghost, right? You're like, what? Um, it's not going to be like that. The, the beauty of the gospel, and right, if you know the gospel, the gospel means good news. That means if you're hearing what I'm saying, that should be good news, that there's not going to be any more sickness and there's not going to be any more death and there's not going to be any more depression and anxiety, right? There's not going to be these things that make this chaos, the things that provide us with fear, the things that we hold on to that keep us up at night, that keep us wondering, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? What's tomorrow going to be like? Those things that descend on us, that chaos, it's a promise that when we identify ourselves with Christ and we give our lives to Jesus and say, God, I want to live for you, that when we are risen again, all of those things will disappear just like Jesus saying to the storm, be still, be still. So I want to I bring uh, up a, a little passage here from, from the book of Timothy, and I think this really, really points out uh, the point as well. Um, so Paul here, he's talking to Timothy, and uh, they're talking about all these philosophies, right? They're talking about all these things that are going on. This is the Hellenistic period, so there's, there's Greek philosophy and there's Roman philosophy and advancements in technology and all these amazing things 
that are happening at this point when he's writing it. And yet, Paul has a stern reminder to Timothy about what the focus is. What are we focused on here? What's important? So he says here, this is uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for what? All things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So how many of you guys like ice cream? <laughs> Everybody? No? How many of you guys like a double dip? <laughs> a double dip of ice cream? This is like the ultimate double dip right here. We can do things that are going to benefit us now and for all of eternity. One of the things that really bothers me about Christianity, and I'll just tell you this little story. It's a little rabbit trail, but whatever. Come with me. Um, I did a survey in Chicago, and we hit the streets, and we asked people three questions, just strangers off the street. And we said, uh, what do you think about God? What do you think about Jesus? And what do you think about Christians? So the first question we asked people, what do you think about God? And people had generally good things to say about God. God is creator, God is good, God is, you know, all, all pretty good things, like you would expect, right? We asked people about Jesus. What do you think about Jesus, this guy named Jesus? Even people that weren't Christians had amazing things to say about Jesus. Jesus is a healer, even that didn't believe in him, said he's a great prophet, one of the most influential people to ever live, great guy, right? But people are saying, yeah, Jesus is God, Jesus is love, all these amazing things. Then we say, what do you think about Christians? What do you guys think they said? I don't even have to say it. I don't even have to say it. That, that's what, it, it deeply saddens me that that is the reality that we're living in now, is that I can say that I am a Christian, and the first thing that pops into somebody's head is judgmental, bigoted, you're a jerk, <laughs> or whatever. That's what people think about how we are representing Christ. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact of viewing our faith and viewing our relationship to Jesus as, okay, well, I'm good for eternity. So on the eternal time clock, I've got my boxes checked off. I know when I die, I'm going to live with Christ. I'm all, I'm all good for eternity. So the time that we spend here in this life right now is kind of secondary. It's kind of whatever. I might as well just only invest in eternity and not even worry about the present, right? And we know that that's silly. We know that that's off base. When it's, it almost sounds like a caricature when I say it, but this is kind of a predominant way that Christianity has been displayed to our culture to the point that that's who they think that we are. And the last thing that I want to do is represent Christ in a way that's going to take glory away from him, that's going to make, it's going to water down who Jesus is, that's going to water down the gospel that all of these generations before us have gone and have preached and have seen God work. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, 
You should have a testimony. You should have a story of what God has done in your life. You should have a story about a storm that Jesus has calmed in your life. And you should, we should be celebrating that. We should be up on the rooftops proclaiming who Christ is because of how good he is and how amazing he is and how to Jesus a storm is hush. <laughs> hush, be quiet. That's what some of those things are to Jesus. And so while we can spend time training and climbing the tears in our career and wanting to make a difference in our community and wanting to do all of these amazing things, right? If it's not taking time to invest in eternity in what is actually important, then it's missing the mark. Then it's not good enough. And I want to raise the standard of what being a Christian means nowadays. That's, that's a personal, like, I, not a vendetta. I was trying to think of the word. It bothers me a lot. This is a lifelong mission that I've taken on to where I want to help rebrand what Christianity means for people. That when people hear, hey, I'm from Market Street Church, that what they think of is kindness and generosity and love and welcoming. And I'm not saying they don't, they don't I'm the new guy. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. I'm the new guy. Um, no, all, all I've heard has been wonderful things about Market Street. But with the, the sad state of Christendom in our culture right now, in our country, we need to kick it into the next gear, church. We need to kick it into the next gear. And I think part of that comes from we need to have the proper perspective on our lives. And so my, my question to you this morning, and I'd, I'd encourage you to think about this throughout the week. What perspective do you have today? The beautiful thing about eternity and the beautiful thing about Jesus is that we're not just worried about, about the future, right? We're not just worried. We're not worried about the past and we're not worried about the future. All we can do is say yes to Jesus right now. If we can, over the next, let's say the next hour that we leave church, the next couple hours, the next day after we leave, if we can start saying yes to Jesus and saying no, hush, be still to the chaos of our lives, we're going to walk more upright. We're going to walk with more confidence in who Christ is. Because when you have faith, what does the Bible say about faith? It takes faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. To move a mountain. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like the smallest seed in a garden that is planted and becomes the biggest tree in the garden that provides safety and security for all the animals there, right? All the birds of the air. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's a safe haven. It's security. It's love. It's community. It's lifting one another up. It's encouraging one another, right? It's not easy when you're in the midst of the storm. It's not easy when you lose power for a couple days. Talk about for me, that was a wake-up call, right? Oh, man. But what we are called to do as the church is when times get tough and when everybody else falls 
into that chaos of the world. We need to trust in who Jesus is and who he says that he is. We need to be loyal to Christ. But if we can do that, then when the storms come, we know that it's temporary. The storms will come, but they'll pass, and we'll have more time at the beach. (laughs) The storms will come, but if we trust in who Christ is, everything will be okay for us. So I want to do a little bit of call, end in a, in, a, in a time of prayer, but if you don't know what it's like to put your faith in who Christ is, if you don't have the perspective of living for Jesus today, I want to invite you to start that journey. And maybe, you're, maybe you've heard the gospel before, maybe you know who Jesus is, but it's just a little fuzzy. Maybe you've been living in the world and being tossed around a little bit. I want to extend to you a hand and say, we have an amazing ministry here at Market Street where we want to see you grow in your spiritual walk. We want to see you supported so that when you go through trials, because they will come, that we're going to constantly be pointing ourselves back to Christ. When we struggle, we can say, well, what what does Jesus have to say about that? Where's God at? Where's God at right now? How can we trust God more? How can we die more to ourselves and live more for Christ? So if you would, if you just bow your heads with me, and we're going to just pray and and invite God into the room here. So, Father God, I thank you for the precious gift of your son Jesus so that when we encounter the storms in our lives, that we can turn our eyes to you that we can trust in you, and we know that you will not let us down. Your strength is never-ending. Lord, you see our storms as just an inconvenience. So God, for those that are struggling this morning, that are going through the storm, Lord, we just trust in you. We say, do it again. You did it once before. You've calmed a storm before. So Lord, we come with expectation and faith and say, Lord, do it again for everybody, financial situations, relational turmoil, health problems. Lord, we know that these things are not without, that are, they're not too far away for you to touch. So God, we pray that you would work on the hearts of your people this morning, that you would work on the hearts of our community here. And we pray that anybody that's hungry, anybody that's willing to say yes, we just pray that you would come into their lives right now so that our city would look more like your kingdom, God, in your order. So, Father, we thank you for doing this morning. We say, continue it on through the week. Continue it on through the week in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, all right, everyone. Appreciate you guys. We'll have an amazing week. Love you and God bless.